0: There's a place some of us go each fall, a place where the ring of a bell filters through the covers and hurried shouts of, bird up, bring everybody to attention. A place where the playful puppies around our house are transformed here to driven bird finders and where there is confidence in the slow pace of the silver-muzzled old veterans where our friends tell the same old stories each year and none of us seem to mind. Where great shots are forgotten and epic misses never fade. Where an old gun will have a story to tell if only it could speak to us. Where all the good seats are claimed by the dogs. If you have a camp, you know these things all too well. If you don't, well, you're always welcome here. So pull up a chair, tell us about your favorite gunner dog, and we'll admire the birds together and talk the night away by the fire. Welcome to Bird Camp. Before we begin, of course, thank you to the Patreons and a new Patreon again, Jake. I appreciate your support in the podcast and again... September 15th, September 14th, very late at night, one or the other, I'm going to be drawing out a a name out of a hat for the little Patreon giveaway prize pack here, and uh, hopefully somebody, uh, maybe I'll get to meet you instead of just mailing it out, hopefully that works out, but again, I'm just going to draw a name, and I know some of our listeners that are on Patreon here are now as far away as Alaska, so I won't hand deliver that one, sorry Tom, if it's you. I may make a sacrifice and drive to the UP and deliver it maybe in the next month. You know, something like that. But besides that, uh, another good guest, of course, tonight. I think I've had a good string of them. But uh, any way you can support the podcast, even without money, like, share, rate, review, uh, all those keywords that people want you to do for them, those are all important. Uh, they do. Uh, put this in front of more people's ears and hopefully they learn something or just enjoy the the conversations if you have a guest possibility i'm kind of looking for some just on a couple of old hunters really that want to sit down and talk and uh that'd be cool what i want to do is just kind of let them get into their memory bank and talk about uh, whether it's a camp building or camp characters old dogs any of those things i like to hear it for one and uh I think it's important we record some of these older guys before everyone's gone. And so with that, I think that's it. Oh, no. One of the leas- listeners here did uh, ask if I could address uh, the sickness up here that was in the, the northern lower, kind of the northeast lower a little bit ago. Of course, since he asked about it, it's kind of gotten a little more solidified in its facts that it's outbreak of parvo. And I know most of the breeders and dog folks that I know that that deal with kennels and things like that. It's kind of the worst nightmare scenario for a lot of them, and it's a dangerous thing that needs, needs a very quick response. But uh, am I worried about it, or am I going to change my plans for it? No, it'll be taken care of, I think, before the 15th, before season opens. Um, again, take your precautions. The same thing you would always do if there's something in, in a region you know what keep keep your dogs to themselves keep yourself to the woods keep yourself to the kennel you know your crates your truck you know and if if it's a strange dog well that's kind of one of those things you're going to have to look for and and take your precautions but that's how i would deal with it you know go to the vet ask good questions right and uh and take good advice those are kind of the things i try to do with the podcast too good questions and good advice but uh it seems that it's just an outbreak of the parvo, and it, it's devastating to a lot of people who seem to have now lost their dogs, and that sucks. Um, I actually feel that's, it's hard to not feel sorry for somebody in that situation. Um, but do, do take some wisdom, take wise counsel, and, uh, and enjoy the best way that you can uh, this season, even if you're up in that, that region. So with that, on to the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Bird Camp Podcast. I am your host, Joe Schwenke, and I'm with a new perspective guy today, and this is Chris Majet. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Joe, appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
0: Yep. Um, and the neat thing about this, right, we we talk about, uh, we'll, we'll jump right into it. How's this? Right into the first part of the notes. Um, Chris's accent's a little bit different from around here. Uh. <laughs> well, <laughs> what prompted the thought that this conversation should be recorded someday was, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, you messaged me about, uh, if I was to move up to the Bay City region, is there anything I could do being a sportsman? was essentially the question. And, and, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, you may not want to go to work very much. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs>
1: There's definitely, I've, I've found there's a lot to do, that's for sure.
0: Yep. Um, so where have you hailed from before? And, and uh, kind of give us a background on on what you did there for fun, as far as the outdoors is concerned.
1: Okay. Um, so I was from the Tidewater region of Virginia, um, kind of near the Virginia Beach, Williamsburg area. Um, which, I mean, we got a little bit of woodcock um, as far as upland, but... Um, Now, I've told people this before, in Virginia's upland is, I mean, we have very little grouse, and that's in the far western part of the state. Um, As far as quail, I guess in 19, I think it was 1973, they harvested over a million quail, and then in 2003, we harvested 30,000, so we just don't have quail much anymore. I mean, you'll see a few. So, you know, we were kind of opportunistic woodcock hunters if we were, going through the swamps, um, to go duck hunting and you have to find some. Um, but yeah, most of my sporting in Virginia was duck hunting. And then even that, uh, where we live in Virginia, it's mostly, uh, bigger water. So sea ducks and diver hunting for the most part. Um, I was raised a waterfowler. I really didn't get an upland until I guess about three, four years ago. Um, so yeah, most of my uh, sporting was um I guess fishing in the summers, but um as far as bird hunting, it was mostly big water sea ducks and uh backs, redheads and bluebills out on the out on the bay.
0: I I now feel sorry for you more than I even did before. But uh you miss all the good ducks if you're only out there on the seawater.
1: <laughs> but uh, I'm Yeah. Um they
0: it's a i'm i'm up here in puddler city and that's to me that that's great eating and everything else um and i i will someday i'm sure go on a couple of good diver hunts and then everyone will try to change my mind but uh <laughs> did you get into the doves at all let's yeah we'll, well open I mean, all the cans of worms
1: well um when i was younger we we had really good dove hunting and then um I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, kind of started going downhill. Occasionally, we'll have a good hunt. Um, I was I was slightly sad to see that in Michigan, we don't have a dove season here. Um, it is pretty much a southern holiday uh, between Virginia and North Carolina, South Carolina. I think there's there's a number of states that they don't have a season. Um, interesting fact about, you know, as you know, I hunt book and Spaniels. In South Carolina, the state, holiday for the boykin spaniels september 1st which is also opening day and they did that on purpose because they're you know, a great dove dog um but yeah we always go out dove hunting um i never got real big in the september teal just because i didn't feel like standing in my waders and sweating to death before the breathables came out um i'd much rather sweat to death in a dove, dove field um but yeah the um I mean, the whole reason why I got into upland really is just because duck hunting kind of went in the in the can a little bit in Virginia. So, you yeah. know, if you're out there hunting sea ducks in the bay, you typically don't use a dog, uh, especially with the long lines of decoys going out. Um, so, you know, having my younger spaniel, I wanted to get into more birds with him. So that's kind of how I got into upland. Um, so, yeah, as far as as far as dove season, I mean, we have it. Um, last couple of years, I've been on a few good hunts. Um, but those are, are few and far between.
0: So, so when you first then messaged me the before and, uh, what intrigued you about the answers, right? I mean, you, you said, yeah, I, I can, I like to fish. I like to duck hunt. I have, I knew you had the boykin already and, uh, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, what's there to do kind of around my area? And I said, well, everything you're, Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. The, uh, m- the more I think about it, the better it's going to be for you. I think
1: there was, um, there was you. Um, I think, um, Uplander Lifestyle Cliff. If oh, yeah. I remember correctly. He, he's also from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think John Osborne. He's a author, I believe. And then the the guys that he's written a couple books with. They're all from Michigan. Oh yeah. So um, everyone I talked to said, "Man, it's a it's a sportsman's paradise." Um. So yeah, it was. Uh, I mean. Switching jobs is a big deal. Um, obviously, changing from Virginia to Michigan is a big deal. Um, but the opportunities as far as, you know, not career aside, you know, the opportunities for just being outdoors more and getting the dog on more birds was uh, very exciting. Yeah, so uh,
0: have you I, – I expect the last month you've been daydreaming, right? Opening day for us. All the seasons start sometime <laughs> after September 1st. So right. how's it been like trying to work, knowing that you're not that far from world-class walleye fishing, the woodcock flights will be starting soon, a teal season, a goose season that lasts till Christmas. What, what's been your daydream now, like keeping your mind out of work? Uh,
1: well, luckily, um, a couple of the managers that I work with, um, they, you know, of course, I've, I've realized now that everybody in Michigan has a cabin up north somewhere it's like you know all y'all have one somewhere and i don't know how y'all afford it but you do um so a couple of guys that have cabins were telling me that they went up um you know last weekend week event for last and like uh chris don't you bird hunt i said yeah and they go man we saw a bunch of partridges up there and i'm like you mean grouse and they said yeah that's when i realized y'all call them partridges um (laughs) but uh yeah i had to realize what y'all were talking about at first um so yeah i think um I'm I'm obviously looking forward to that. Um, I I, I went up to Maine last year with my girlfriend. Um, Long story short, I had been away duck hunting and pheasant hunting in North Dakota for about a month, and she wanted to have her time. So uh, I told her we were going to go up to Maine to go hiking and see the mountains, and that turned into a slight grouse hunt also. Um, So that was my first ever grouse hunt. And, you know, the history behind grouse hunting was... I'm a big reader and a history nerd, and so I think that's probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most is just getting out there um you know, you asked me before we got on the call if I'd done any scouting. I have done zero scouting really other than just driving around so far um but you know i mean that's it's it's gonna be difficult, obviously, not knowing where to go um just looking online and the gems sites and but I think also that'd be kind of the fun too is just exploring your areas um and then i leave michigan september I think 10th to go to wyoming to go sage grouse hunting so you know i got grouse because well, i guess i got teal sage grouse in wyoming and then then i go back to north dakota in october so i mean i kind of got everything really um <laughs> but as far as michigan man I'm, I'm really looking forward to hopefully i mean let me put it this way i don't I hope to shoot a grouse, but I just want my dog to flush some. If that's you know that makes sense.
0: <laughs> I think you're setting the bar kind of low. But, you know,
1: uh... I, I'm a huge believer in under promise and over deliver. <laughs> so let me set my stand. Especially coming from Virginia, I mean, growing up, puddle duck hunting with my dad, if we saw a duck, it was a good day. Um, so I've not been spoiled at all. So yeah, I naturally have low standards as far as bird hunting for now. And, maybe Michigan will change that and I'll get spoiled but right now I'll keep the standards low.
0: <laughs> I I think once you get your feet wet and you get the hang of it the yeah. the three woodcock limit's going to be that barrier you're going to run into over and over and over again. <laughs> um, That's a good problem to have. <laughs> it, it is. It's uh again we and we you'll you'll learn too some of us still call them grouse. Partridges are we kind of joke partridges are the ones you shoot when you jump out of the truck real quick after driving real slow <laughs> and, and grouse are you, ran right. up with dogs. Um, but besides, besides that, you know, we, we count flushes. So you're, you're in good company with, with the Virginia mentality of, Hey, we heard a couple. It right. was a great day. Yeah. Um, but That's right. I, I think we're going to have another very nice season coming up. I had, mm-hmm. I think my best grouse season last year and very similar conditions this this spring uh to my memory um with some good reports out there of of chick survival so i'm expecting i may i may even break double digits and get 10
1: well yeah me that's i mean (laughs) maybe yeah it's uh I, i know i've talked to some buddies of mine that live in the western side of virginia and they live up in the mountains and i said you know do y'all ever see grouse? And they're like, yeah, back when I was like 10 years old. I mean, they just, we just don't see them at all anymore. So, um, yeah, just to, I mean, I remember driving to Maine and we had gotten pretty close to where the cabin was that we were staying at. And, you know, there goes a, a grouse running across the road. And I was like, well, hell, at least I saw one. Um, luckily we ended up shooting a few, but yeah. you know, I was just happy to see one. So, um, yep. yeah, I'm, definitely, I'm I'm very much looking forward to being up here. Um, as far as the learning curve, for waterfowl um i'll probably go on a few guided hunts you know not to knock it i typically try to freelance like when we go north dakota we do everything ourselves Mm -hmm. um but just to help the learning curve as far as you know what do the birds do around here um obviously i can pick the the guides brains about maybe some public land areas um i did realize y'all have a lot more public drawn hunts than we do in virginia I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And then y'all, I think have hunts just about every day on a lot of them and they hunt morning and afternoon. Yep. Um,
0: There's a big one to your Southwest, mm-hmm. um, Shiawassee. And yep, it's, right it is an adventure, especially if yep. you're not used to it. Um, right. And we can maybe get together or I know enough of the guys there that would take out a new guy and show him the ropes because mm-hmm. getting lost in the dark there is bad. <laughs> but bet, yeah. there there have been some of my most magical duck days in our lottery system draw units um yeah. and it is incredible and yeah if you're not used to the opportunity some of these areas mm-hmm. can hold 50 parties pretty safely and they'll hunt twice a day wow, wow. so that two, many two draws um refuge counts depending on where you are from the south our refuge counts look a little sparse um mm-hmm but then again we also flood cornfields so you're sitting in piles yep. of flooded food and uh yeah Neenah Kings just to your north uh the bay yep. you're used to sea ducks the bay is the bay is a little tricky water wise which way the right. wind is blowing you don't have the tide as much but the wind creates a weird tide um you're you're sitting really nice in a in a quick commute to some really good spots
1: um yeah I was talking to uh... <laughs> I forgot who I was talking to. And they're like, oh, well, that's kind of a far drive. You know, you're going to have to drive about an hour. And I'm like, man, back in Virginia, we drove an hour and a half just to, again, see one duck. I mean, just to hunt, I had to drive basically an hour to hunt anywhere. Um, and then we had one uh, draw spot. It was lottery. And then if, you know, there was open spots, you could get a draw on that morning. But they only hunted it once a week, and that was it. Wow. So, I mean, duck hunting in Virginia is difficult. And I don't know if you know the blind laws, but basically – if you're on a public river in Virginia and you build a blind and you tag it legally, no one can hunt within five hundred yards of that blind for the rest of the year. No no matter if you're in it or not. Hmm. I mean it's it's so every river is just about blinded up and it becomes yeah. tough. So yep. looking forward to not having to deal with that anymore.
0: Yeah, I was gonna mention too, uh, the our blind laws here, especially where you're gonna be rivers get a little funny. Um for the mm-hmm. most part, anything with private land on the sides, you can't hunt it anyway. Yep um but the yep. bay's wide open you don't have a lot of blinds there are some a little common courtesy and everyone's yep. happy and hunting um but that's you don't you didn't bring
1: a boat with you though right oh no I, well I, it's not here yet uh i'm gonna drive back down to virginia and get it and bring it back up so <laughs> i do have the duck boat with the blind on it and all my decoys in it so okay i'm, I'm ready
0: <laughs> as well as also you're going to live next to an incredible walleye fishery um again you're going to use a lot of vacation days but uh, <laughs> part of part of it though too is is between those uh the uplands like you were looking at the gems um there's nothing wrong with looking at the gems especially mm-hmm. as a beginner and right. uh, and we've said it on this podcast a number of times too if you want to go see what it's supposed to look like the gems is exactly what good managed grouse habitat looks like um, right fast cut rotation. Well, fast by, by human lifespan (laughs) standards, it's still fast, but uh, um, get in there, get a good look at what it looks like. And then I know those areas up there a little bit, just, just by reputation and by a little experience, drive all around. It looks the same as the gems, drop the boy out there and go. And, uh, and you're going to definitely find you're going to definitely find birds. Um, again, I think it's a great season coming up, but, uh, you didn't, you didn't deer hunt. Did you in Virginia?
1: Not really. Um, occasionally, you know, we'd go duck hunt in the morning and then, um, one of my friends would say, Hey, you want to go deer hunt this afternoon? And I'd say, sure. Yeah. I'd put my back up against the tree and I would take a nap and get woken up by him shooting a deer. And then I'd have to just help him carry it out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty much it in Virginia. When I when I lived in South Carolina, um or when I was going to college in South Carolina, I had a lot of friends that had some farms and so we we hunted their property a good bit. Um and not, you know, obviously nothing against deer hunting, but you know, I, was, I think the fact that I was raised a bird hunter and then I went to deer hunting, I'm like, man, this is boring. Like I like the peace and quiet, but then I end up falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to talk, I like to move, so um you know i enjoy it but i'm not a huge huge deer hunter now, that might change while i'm up here i don't know but um yeah i i, I guess also i just you know being raised duck hunting my dad and being able to talk to him hang out with him and his friends be more sociable and then obviously seeing the dog work i mean the dog works the biggest thing for me um there's days last year in north dakota where you know i didn't even touch my gun i just let my friends shoot and then i just ran the dog and you know obviously made sure he did a good job but just just watched them, um, so I think that aspect is not quite there for deer hunting. Um, mm-hmm. Now, some of my buddies do run do- uh, run dogs in Virginia. I've never done a dog hunt, but um, everyone I've talked to said they love it, but I've never done it.
0: Yep, yeah, we uh, we don't have the the dog and deer opportunity uh, the way you mm-hmm. guys do, and I would someday I would like to do that mainly because I I grew up with beagles.
1: Yeah. Okay. And,
0: and that seems to be the epitome of hound hunting is yeah. a very large version of a rabbit hunt. And yep. talk about talk about my kind of excitement. That would be awesome. But uh we'll segue into exciting. And I have a few questions on here just to kind of to pick the brain of somebody who has yet to experience Michigan. Um after talking to to John, the other guys and Cliff, what's so far being been the most exciting aspect of living in Michigan and seeing the season coming closer?
1: Um, well, I'll tell you what, the, the first morning that I got up for work, um, you know, you, I think y'all had a heat wave that came through and it was, you know, 90 degrees or whatnot. And, um, the first morning I woke up, went for a run before work and, I think it was like fifty, fifty-five degrees in the morning. I went, "Oh, this is just beautiful." You know, back home, it's even in the morning, it's eighty-five and a hundred degrees or a hundred percent humidity. Um, so that was the first thing I got excited about. And then the second was just you know, driving to work. So when I first got up here, I was staying in, I think Sibuling. Um, I got, I, it's, you know, talking about social media. Um, a guy that I just I don't know from Adam. Well, I know now, but at the time I didn't know him. I just messaged him. I knew he owned Boykin Spaniels and he had told me, Hey, when you get up to Michigan, call me up. I have a campground. So I needed a place to live in a, in a pinch because the place I was going to rent fell through. Um, he rented me a, a, a cabin, let me crash there for a couple of weeks. Um, so when I was driving from Seboing to Bay city, is it Quinna Quinacasi? Is that Quinacasi? Um, I don't know how to pronounce it, but anyways, I was driving through there and man, there was ducks all over the place, teal, wood ducks, gadwall. Um, and you just, you'll see some local resident ducks in Virginia, but not like that. Um, so, I mean, that was a couple of weeks ago and it's just steadily piling on. I mean, my girlfriend and I driving around, we see ducks all over the place now. So, yeah, again, you see birds in Virginia, but it's always the local golf geese and golf mallards, um. So the fact that I'm already seeing different species of ducks gets me pretty pretty riled up.
0: <laughs> and your social media is about to hit with the next month is going to be everything hitting all at once. But uh, <laughs> um, going along with that, the the exciting aspect you're you're seeing these ducks already. What may be the most intimidating opportunity that you see in your future here this coming season?
1: Um. Kind of what we talked about before um, with with grouse, like, you know, duck hunting, I kind of know what to look for. Um, I've duck hunted all my life, whereas grouse hunting is still very, very new to me. Um, Again, I went up to Maine, did it myself. Well, I mean, I was in a cabin, but they just said, hey, those are logging roads, go have fun. Um, And we just happened to get lucky and and find some. So I think, you know, uh, a new state, so no you know, not knowing the areas, um, and then just basically hunting a new species that I've never really known a whole lot about. I'm, I'm still learning about to your point, you know, what does the habitat look like? You know, listening to your podcast or reading books, that's good. But to your point, seeing it in person and to go, okay, this is what I'm actually, this is what it looks like. Okay, cool. Um, so those two things, I guess the fact that it's just, you know, grouse in general, but just a a totally new, species to me, and then just finding the habitat, probably the biggest, um, I guess, um, worry or hesitation or biggest obstacle I think we're, we're going to face this year.
0: Yep. It's, uh, and I think, and it'll click too. It, it did for mm-hmm. me when I started, and uh, less with the grouse, that's that's taken some recalibrating, I think, on my eye. The Woodcock stuff did come quicker, but, right. uh, and it's it's going to be i'm excited for you maybe i'm more excited it looks like than you are on the screen here
1: you're, you're living vicariously
0: through me again you i can, can go back through it right absolutely you know i can i can remember those thrills right i've i've been after this now about 10 years and mm-hmm. uh i remember that that first year of starting it really and everything being new and right. uh, and it's an adventure it's fun um you don't even realize that sometimes you know other other people might become disappointed with your numbers if right. if you were a more of a an experienced hand at it. But man, yep. you you got five flushes today, and this is awesome. And then coming from Virginia, five flushes in a season—that's
1: that's, that's uh, I mean I don't know many people that do get five flushes of grouse in Virginia. I mean it's yeah. just
0: not yep. happen. They uh, they don't get them there, but they come up and visit us every October. Oh, Of course we do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like the duck hunters going to Arkansas, you know,
0: absolutely. Um, tell me, now, uh, what brought you to the boykin? I know it's kind of like the home team dog down where you started.
1: Um, so I was actually raised with them. My, my dad got his first in, uh, 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, so he also went to colleges, uh, in South Carolina. Um, we all went to the Citadel, which is a, a small military college down there. And, um, to hear my dad tell it, he wanted a lab originally. When he, when he graduated from college, he got into duck hunting. Wanted a lab, and um, my mom basically said, "No, I don't want a dog with a tail." Um, so, because she didn't want it, you know, knocking things off the table and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously being in Charleston and the Boykin came from South Carolina. That's where they were bred. Um, he got one, and that's kind of what we've always had. So, um. You know, I guess when I graduated college, um, I went ahead got my first Boykin. He's 12 years old now. He's retired, lives the, the lazy life. Um, and then, I guess about four years ago, um, I was looking to get another dog. And I looked at some other breeds, um, everything from some of the versatile dogs to, you know, maybe even a pointing dog. Um, I even looked at a lab. And then I said, you know what, Boy- Boykins, I-, I just know them. Um, I'm not a professional trainer, but I know Boykins. I know how their temperament can be. Um, I enjoy their quirky personalities and their slight ADHD. Um, you know, you, it, anybody that ever talks about getting a Boykin, I tell them it's, it's not a lab. They're not a robot. Um, they will get bored very easily. They have the spaniel in them. Um, some are very soft tempered. Some are headed. My, my older one, Man, if I put a little growl in my voice, it puts the fear of God into him. My younger one, you know, I can you know put growl in my voice. I can smack him in the butt, and he just wags his tail at me like, "What's up, buddy? Like, you want to play?" Like, yeah. So, I mean, and the boy can you get very different personalities, but that's because they're basically still a mutt. Um, you know, as far as all the different breeds that they made them out of. Um, See, so yeah, I guess also just the versatility. You know, they're not versatile in the fact that they point and retrieve. You know, they're a flusher, but you know, we've had boykins that we had one that retrieved a couple of swans for us. Um, I mean it took us it, it took him a while to bring it back, but he brought it back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, traveler, he's four years old. He's gotten um mm-hmm. a couple of different grouse species, he's gotten wild pheasants out west, he's gotten wild quail. Uh probably every species of duck or puddle duck at least. Um you know, so I mean they're just great house pets too, so you know, it's it's one of those things that I know them. Um, they're small, so you know, when I got to lift them up back in the boat when we're duck hunting, it you know, it's not difficult. <laughs> yep. Don't take up a whole lot of room. Um, yeah, they're just a good, they're just a good breed for me. Um, they're not for everybody. Um, again, their personality and their soft temperament can be a little too soft for some people. Um, I tell guys, if you want a dog that will do the same thing day in day out, don't get a Boykin. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't. Um, if you want a dog that, you know, is going to mature super quick and it's almost going to be ready to hunt out of the box, you know, lab, you can probably hunt a lab. I mean, this is just me guessing, but you can probably hunt a lab. What about six months? A a boy can probably not. Um, they're physically not mature yet. They're definitely mentally not mature. They mature much slower than a lab does. Um, but they're, they're fun. I mean, you know, (laughs) So yeah, yep. that's all. Uh, that's that's why I ended up with a Boykin. I, I was raised with them. Um, yeah, the old the old swamp poodles, man. That's that's <laughs> what I'm stuck with.
0: Yep, we had a I marshaled at a a finished flight in our HRC club for their annual spring test, and there mm-hmm. were five Boykins out of yep. twenty two dogs. We had all yep. the Boykin club in our flight, and uh, the the thing about every one of the spaniels, the Boykins, the Springer's, the Cockers is they're happy little dogs. Is pretty yes, much the first thing you notice yeah. is the dog just looks happy, Um, yep. regardless of whether or not you were going to win a ribbon that day. The dog is happy.
1: <laughs> the so, dog is happy to be there with you. He doesn't care if he's winning or not. He's right. Just
0: happy, <laughs> right? It, um, but uh, do you do hunt tests at all?
1: So I've done um I've done a few. Um, we so, um, I used to prior to moving to Michigan, I traveled. Uh, basically every two or three days I was in a different state. I would leave my house Sunday afternoon. I was home Friday night at midnight. I'd be home for Saturday and do laundry Sunday and roll back out. So I actually sent him to a pro um, for a large majority. Then basically I'd pick him back up during hunting season and we'd go. So I only ran him through uh, started. And then we've kind of fallen off the hunt test game. Um, I mean, he – His hand signals, would they pass like a seasoned or – what is that? Seasoned or – Yeah, seasoned. And then whatever the AKC version is. The senior, yep. Yeah, senior, yeah. He would probably pass. um, But, I mean, when we're in the field, he's good enough that I can get him in the area of the fall and then he'll find it and bring it back. So is it perfect? No. But does it – will he retrieve 98% of the the birds that drop in the field? yeah um so i'm I'm happy with that the whole i mean honestly the whole reason why i got in the hunt test was just because i was like man what the hell is he gonna do all summer like i'm gone he's gonna get fat and lazy um you know before before i started dating my girlfriend he'd go to my parents house and you know, they just no offense to my parents but they let the dog out and let him pee and poop maybe throw him a, a few retrieves in the backyard and that was it um <laughs> I remember I came home actually one time and my mom was giving my older dog a treat. I said, mom, why are you giving him a treat? She said, Oh, cause he went to the bathroom outside. I said, mom, he's 12 years old. Like he knows how to do that. You don't need to give him a treat. That's why he's out of shape. Like, you don't need to." A... I said, you do this every time, every day? She said, yeah. I said, no. Um, so I got in the hunt test game just to give him something to do during the summers. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I'm not traveling, I have the full intention to start training with the club again Um, I'm not super competitive with my dogs. I'm very competitive in life, but not with my dogs. So I ran my older dog in some field trials. Um, I mean, they were fun. I was younger. Um, but I didn't like the aspect of your dog is better than mine or my dog is better than you. I like the hunt test aspect where it's maybe less competitive, where it's, you know, I want your dog to pass just as much as you want my dog to pass because we're all in this, in this together. Like, let's just pass this test and be done. Um, so I do like that. Um, I've run him in a few upland tests. Um, the first time that I ran him in an upland test, I remember I talked to this trainer and I said, well, what do I need to do to get him ready for this upland test? And it was just a junior Boykin Spaniel upland test, you know, basic, basic flushing. Does the dog want a quarter? Will he retrieve a hand? You um, didn't have to stop to flush. Or the shot. Now, the dog couldn't break on you and go crazy, but he didn't have to be perfect. And um, the trainer goes, Oh, don't worry, he'll do it. I said, Well, what if he doesn't? He said, No, no, he'll do it. I go, Well, again, what if he doesn't? He goes, Dude, he, he's coming from a, a field line of Boykins. He will quarter naturally. And he did. So, you know, Boykin would naturally quarter, depending on the cover, maybe 20, 30 yards ahead of you. Um, when we're in the cattails, in, North Dakota I try to keep them a little bit closer Mm -hmm. um because especially when that wind is blowing and the cattails you can't hear a rooster get up unless it's close anyways um but yeah so we do the hunt test I haven't done uh he did some well we didn't do any this summer we did a few this summer um but we haven't really gotten because there's that big jump from junior to senior Mm -hmm. so we haven't made that big big jump yet yeah
0: you have you have good opportunities there there's there's probably four or five good HRC clubs here in Michigan yeah. and the entire and there's spring, actually, um, the entire there's, spring there's... is a tour. You could be all over oh, the yeah. state. I bet. Yeah. I've,
1: well, I've, I started following all the Michigan clubs and there's actually a great lakes, um, Boykin Spaniel club. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're pretty active. And you know, you said it earlier, as far as how many Boykins were at the, uh, at the test that you were marshalling. Um, you know, there's, Boykins are getting more popular, which is, I have mixed emotions on it, mixed feelings. I think it's good, but, you know, let's not get too popular that the same thing that happened to the cock or the golden retriever happens to the boykin. You know, you start Mm -hmm. having people just breed them for non-hunting purposes and just trying to make a buck. Um, But in my opinion, could a boykin do just about everything a lab can? Almost. They'll do it slower. Um, you know, they can't maybe handle the big, big water like a lab can. They can't handle maybe January when it's single digits below 30 miles an hour. Um, but for most people, a Boykin can, can handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I remember growing up and, you know, dad and I would, my dad used to drive nothing, but the old Woody style Jeep Grand Wagoneers. And, um, we'd get out of those things and dad would get his Boykin out and people go, what the hell is that dog? And, you know, no one knew what they were. And now people are starting to kind of recognize them and stuff. So, mm-hmm. they're they're a good dog, um, but uh, they, they're still they're still spaniel. Yeah. I and mean, they, they got the ADD in them.
0: Yep. Yeah. There's another good test actually closer to you than it is to me now. Is a uh, there's an AKC spaniel hunt test. Okay. Um, an actual upland test, and uh, I get to go over there and I don't have to marshal or anything, but they do tell me I get to gun. So oh, there you go. <laughs> I, uh, I get to watch dogs all, all day. They do the yeah. retrieve part. They do the hunt dead part. Like you were describing his hand signals aren't that good, but you don't, you, you'd perfectly described a spaniel's, uh, hunt dead retrieve. I got yeah. it close. My dog turns his nose back on and finds yep. my birds. And that's, yep. that's precisely what they want out of the dog. Um, right. So you have, you've got great opportunities all around you for that as well. Um, but that it is going to be fun. That's, that's definitely for sure. Um, yeah. (laughs) uh,
1: what gun do you shoot now? (laughs) Um, well, I mean, I'm not the best shot at all. Um, so my, my waterfowl gun, I always loved the, um, the look of the old Belgium A5s. Um, I almost pulled the trigger on a few when I was younger um, and never bought one. Um, And then when Browning came back out with the newer ones, what, five, six years ago, something like that, I bought one of those. So I used that, and I used to use it for both Upland and uh, Waterfowl. And then last year, um, I told my girlfriend she needed a gun to come shooting with me. And it just so happened that that then turned into my Upland gun. Um, so I got her a, uh, you know, Stevens 555. I, I was looking for a 20, but, you know, the way that ammunition is now, I was like, you know what, I might as well get a 12, so I have a backup gun for each other. Um, so, yeah, I bought that. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cheap gun as far as price-wise, but I've, I've beat the hell out of it in Maine, North Dakota, Kansas, um, obviously Virginia. Um so yeah, the Stevens 555, man, it's, it's nice. Um, as far as the price point, my dad is, man, he's, he's an old school guy and he shoots nothing but old double barrels from, you know, the, uh, stuff that he bought from the, like Elsie Smith. Um, his duck gun is an old Spanish, um, double barrel, 10 gauge. That is that, uh, my mom bought him for their first anniversary back in the seventies. Um, yeah, he. So that's what he shoots. So, I'm not that I'm not that old school like he is yet. But um, yeah, so I shoot the Browning A five for my duck gun, and then uh um, over under Stevens five 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 for for mm-hmm. upland. All right. Well, there's.
0: <laughs> <coughs> hmm, pardon me, but uh, what's your next one then going to be?
1: Oof. Um. That's a good question. I I would like to get some. I mean, I haven't really shopped a whole lot, but I want I want something old. I want I want something that has a little history to it. Um, you know, like I said before, I'm a big reader, so reading. You know, my favorite my favorite author of all time is Gene Hill. Um, but also, you know, you read some of those old Burton Spillers. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're talking about those old grouse guns and stuff. Um, so I'd like to go to some old you know, gun store somewhere, maybe New England or maybe even Michigan, and just find something that's worn down. Uh, I don't have any particular manufacturer in mind yet, but I would like to get something that's got some history to it, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I had that a while ago back, uh, it was after the kids, but it couldn't have been long. For some reason, I read some Hemingway, and I needed a Model 12. (laughs) And so then I proceeded to shop and shop and shop, and I had to have one in 20-gauge because that's my pet caliber. And uh, and eventually I overpaid for one, and it's in a closet right now. <laughs> and uh, and I don't shoot it very well. So I'd, all of that yep. and the gun, I cannot get that gun to fit right. And yep. uh, in the end, it's going to be, I think, as my boys get a little older and graduate out of their 500s, um, the little Super Bantams they're going to end Mm -hmm. up graduating into a model 12 because (laughs) someone's got to figure out how to shoot this gun.
1: So it's going to fit somebody, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, eventually it'll get sent off to my nephews or, you you know, it'll find a new life. But, uh, you've, you mentioned authors, you've mentioned some books again, and I know you have, it's a blog, isn't it?
1: Um, so part blog. And then, um, I've, I've written a few articles for some, um, some publications out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of started, I guess my first, my first article was with the Boykin Spaniel Society. Um, and honestly, that was, I don't remember how it happened. Um, I do remember I was flying home. I may, may not have had a few bourbons on the flight and just started typing up a story about my dad duck hunting and how everything went wrong in this hunt and all this stuff. Um, and so she published it uh in the Boykin Spaniel Quarterly magazine and um uh the, the editor for Hunting Dog Confidential about that same time I was messaging her saying, Hey, you know, y'all haven't talked about Boykins at all in the magazine or the podcast, like man, we're not giving Boykins any credit. Well she saw that I posted that my article was published and she said, Hey, you need to write for us an article on the Boykins. So that kind of started it. Um and man it's kinda gone from there. Um I got one coming out for uh, Wildfire Mag soon. Um, let's see, uh, Upland Almanac has one. I don't mm-hmm. know when that was going to be published. A um, couple other magazines, but yeah, I mean it, it's. I, I want to, you know, not, very few. Of my, I don't think I have any articles really that are more like how tos. I don't consider myself an expert in anything, um, so I don't feel like I should write a how to, but. Most of my records are just funny hunting stories. Um, again, my favorite author is Gene Hill. And mm-hmm. all of his stories, except maybe what, maybe two or three, are just funny. You know, it's all stuff that we can relate to, whether it's falling in the water, or getting water, or water over your waders, or, you know, missing shots, um, or the dogs. You know, he talks about the dogs a lot and just being mm-hmm. out hunting. Um, so all my stories are revolve around that. It's it's not a how to. None of them are are you know ooh the top ten best shotguns to get this year? It's no, it's just oh it's just
0: stories. Th- those are yeah. just
1: page fillers. I, I can't read them. I mean, I understand they have a certain purpose, I guess, but I remember, I would never, yeah. I, I can't. I, that's like reading a chemistry book to me. I just, I just couldn't. At, um
0: At one point, I had subscriptions to everything, and those top ten shotguns, I would devour that article, and then yeah, and then at a certain point. It, you sit there and you're like none of these i i bought one really high quality right top 10 best quality ever and then you buy one mm-hmm. and you're like well i i don't need another one i i don't yep. need this yeah. article yeah. ever again yeah. Yeah. you're you're
1: too inundated with it now um yeah
0: or, yeah, or the guess... value ones the value ones i think are even worse to me
1: yeah you know yeah i mean i think they serve a purpose in mm-hmm. you know obviously marketing um and you know if someone is new to the sport it gives them some other opportunities to maybe look at some other products that they hadn't heard of so i get it um i'm just not gonna be the guy that writes that because i i feel you know i'm in sales by profession and i don't want to write an article on sales really i want to write an article <laughs> on what i enjoy the sport what i enjoy watching my dog do what i enjoy about you know a uh, 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 you know what, what we would call like a a memorable hunt with You know, your dad or your friends, where typically everything went wrong, but it just became a funny story. I mean, Mm -hmm. we always talk about whenever you get together with friends, yeah, occasionally you might talk about the time y'all limited out in 30 minutes. But most of the stories are, hey, you remember that time, you know, Joe fell down that hill and rolled all over? Or, you know, you know that time so-and-so fell off the boat? You know, that's the stuff that we we talk about. So that's kind of what I write about, Um, stuff that most hunters can relate to and and get a laugh out of, you Mm -hmm. know.
0: Yep. Yeah, there's a uh, there's some of the guys I hunt with where it seems like we we don't always do real well. Um and then later on in the year, you know, there's you want to hear a memorable story, right? Like, hey, yeah, we finally got into a bunch of birds and it was successful and the story I got from him instead was I hit a submerged post with my boat <laughs> and it's in for repairs and I barely yep. made it to shore before I was knee deep in water next to my tiller. Yep. And uh huh. and that is the those are the stories you'll remember a lot longer, and uh, yeah, I mean
1: that—that's—that's that's the stuff that we talk about, you know. The, um, I mean, the, the the first story that I wrote about was you know Dad and I's motor didn't work and we had to basically pull the boat, you know, it was probably a quarter mile, but through the pluff mud getting back to the boat ramp. I mean, that's the stuff that I remember being as a kid. I remember you know, being at the boat ramp one time, a Dad's jeep wouldn't start, so he had me try to push start it and again he drove nothing but the old Grand Wagoneers which are metal tanks Uh, um, now mind you I'm 12 years old trying to push this damn thing to get it jump started and he's yelling at me that I'm not pushing hard enough and all that stuff so I mean that's the stuff that (laughs) we laugh about now and um, I think that's part of you know the the struggle of hunting because it is a struggle right it's not you know you just go out and bag a bird or, or, or shoot a deer there is an aspect of struggle to it that makes it worthwhile makes it makes the the actual harvesting of an animal mean more to us Mm -hmm. um and then on the flip side when we do struggle and we have those dumb stories or those funny stories it means more to us um and that's the stuff that we bond over i mean you and i talking we're bonding over just funny stuff that happened on hunts you know when we have Mm pheasants forever meetings or um rgs meetings that's the stuff that we talk about it's not oh yeah i bagged this many birds it's you know, the funny stories. So that's what I try to write
0: about. Yep. Yep. And we haven't even mentioned pheasants up until right now, but you're, Mm -hmm. you're not that far from a lot of project areas. Um, state land pheasants are, are not that far of a drive really from you, not any further than grouse. Um, so there's, there's one more thing to start checking off your list, right? Yep.
1: That's what, uh, (laughs) that's what I was told. Um, I, I was told I wasn't far from, uh, a few a few pheasants out there um mm-hmm. i think god i just saw an article i think it popped on facebook um but yeah they were just talking about pheasants forever work in michigan and you know maybe the birds aren't what they used to be back in the 80s but i mean i'll tell you this right off the bat obviously there's more bird there's more pheasants in michigan than there ever have been in virginia i mean that's just a fact <laughs> we never had them uh, mm-hmm. unless you go to put, unless you go to put and take which you know, those serve a purpose too. Um, yeah. I've been there with my dog just to get him on upland birds before we ever went out West. Um, yeah, to your point, I mean, um, there, there's, uh, a plethora of opportunities. So, mm-hmm. um, whether I bag birds or not this year, um, I will have opportunities. So that's, you know, that was the biggest thing in Virginia too, is just how can I get out more with my dog? I mean, that, that's again, why I got into upland hunting was just, I wanted to get out more with him, you know,
0: Yep, and uh, I just went to a meeting, it was last night with Pheasants Forever. It was a regional chapter meeting to get to know the new director uh, for Michigan. And uh, they go through their presentation, and and, and Ben Beeman there, The he's uh, overseeing the Adopt-a-Game-Area program, so a lot of our state lands just to your south, um, actually, and your north, really. Uh, they've been doing work there. They've been doing it for a decade under the, the MPRI program. It's changed its name a little bit, but it's the same old program where they, they restore grasslands. They put back things the way they ought to be, and it was 400 acres improved this year and another 400 and change uh, planned for next year already. And uh, a lot of that corresponds, too, with, with if, if you've been listening to the podcast a bit here and there, we may have mentioned southern Michigan woodcock, yep. some yep. of the habitat treatments that he's doing for pheasants, mesh perfectly with that mission of getting openings made back up in some of these overgrown overgrown brushy areas. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's directly affecting woodcock habitat for the better while he's improving pheasant habitat at the same time. So um, that's all a lot of things to be excited about coming, coming up on them. Um, But that's, that's a whole new thing too. I, I, (laughs) there's, there's so many things to be involved involved in and uh and and they're like so do you want to become more involved this was up in the montcalm chapter just to my north you know we could use another guy you know another volunteer i'm like i i have a few irons in the fire that kind of dictate what i do and when you know talking to you today takes away from being a pheasants forever volunteer in a small aspect um the same with the upland experience we're a part of but uh all these things put together though we all do our part and i'm i'm excited to work with 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 them uh towards some habitat stuff you know these they're Mm -hmm. young they want to work um and they seem to be effective and that's effect. i don't care who you are if you're effective i want to work with you Um, yeah for sure and uh and the birds need effective people that's one of those things that that i i think i realized right away but uh you, you were talking about Gene Hill, and I'm going to sidetrack us because bunny trails are awesome. <laughs> one of the books I have up here is him, and he has a, a book in there. It's a, a story in there called The Woodcock Gun. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, the gun you're kind of talking about, just a worn one that you find in the used rack at the gun dealer somewhere, um, is that is a story in there, and he describes this where it's a it's a well-made gun, but it's old, it's choked cylinder-cylinder, and uh, mm-hmm. it's uncommon to find old guns choked that way to begin with, unless a grouse or a right. woodcock hunter right. yep. had it in mind he wanted it that way. Um, Correct. Yeah. So when you started talking about the relatability of it, there, the ideal gun is that one where you're not sure what its history is, and there's mm-hmm. always that mystery involved. It comes through in the guy's story to begin with, but uh, you know, looking down at it and going, I I know that you've seen 80 seasons and now it's now it's another season that it's time to each yep. back out again um but on on that note i this is a question i I have a guest that's got himself cold feet three or four times, and maybe he's listening again um just so that I can kind of poke him with a stick while I ask you this question that I've been saving for him you're you're a reader, you're a writer, and so this is kind of right in your alley if for one day you could take out somebody's gun. Mm. And it could be anybody's, you know, there's a lot of guns that hit market, hit the auction houses that have these incredible provenances. Um mm-hmm. what gun would you pick and what would you do with it that day? And this um, is not in the notes, so he's going to you're going to have to really come up quick with an answer. No, I but...
1: I already got an answer. It's going to be uh Nash Buckingham's uh whoop
0: Oh, good one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Um Partly just because, you know, again, I was raised a duck hunter and, um, you know, dad had a, or still has, um, you know, a library of old duck hunting books. Um, obviously a lot of that old Nash Buckingham books. And I mean, I remember, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, looking back, I probably cost dad hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars because I would take the dust jackets off of his books. You know, I remember he had one. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, or or I would probably ruin them. Um, right, so i probably owe him a lot of money. Um, but he had a lot, I remember he had one that was, God, if if I had to look it up, I could look it up. But I remember I called this one on Amazon, maybe eBay, and it was a couple hundred dollars. It was a North American uh, waterfowl identification book, and he had that. I remember that looking at that, and I was like, ooh. I remember thumbing through that thing when I was like ten, twelve years old, but eventually I st I remember reading Nash Buckingham, you know, when I was uh probably ten, twelve, thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just the Shooting this gentleman. Um now granted back then it was kinda of hard to read because he wrote in the vernacular of his characters, but um There's a trick. Yeah. Oh, I had to learn that, you know, back then I didn't know it. Um, but uh, yeah, reading about Bo Whoop, I mean, that was the thing. Um, and I know that one sold a couple of years ago, if I remember correctly, did it not? Or went to, I remember. It's, uh,
0: yes, it did. Um, okay. The, after he lost it, it disappeared mm-hmm. um, for quite a long time. And it just resurfaced maybe in the last, maybe five years ago it resurfaced. Yeah, That's right. because Bow Whoop 2, the replacement to the first one, um, for those who don't know, Bow Whoop was a Super Fox 12-gauge 3-inch Magnum uh, chambered by Bert Becker out of Philadelphia for Nash. It was a custom-made, choked full and full duck gun, waterfowl gun. Um, and I believe the load he asked it to be for was... <laughs> Ounce and three-eighths, copper-plated fours. <laughs> I, I've also read my Nash Buckingham. Um, I see that, yeah. And he, <laughs> he showed it to somebody, laid it up against a fender, and drove off. And he oh. put out rewards. He wrote in magazines. Of course, Nash wrote a lot. Could yep. not get somebody to bring that gun back to him. And so wow. his friends had him, another one made, and he shot Bow Whoop too then the rest of his life. It went to auction some time ago before the, this other one came back up, fetched a huge price, and the person who bought it handed it to Ducks Unlimited and said, display it.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's, when, this yeah. one,
0: when this one hit the market, it, it pops back up, right? And uh, as as a literature fan, as a duck hunting history fan, as everything else fan, I don't think these people should have got a red cent. This, right. this was clearly thievery but it went to auction somebody paid an extravagant amount of money and handed it Mm -hmm. to du to said put it next to the first one. Uh, Um, well and so they're both displayed there i think at du headquarters yeah Um, but it's it's one of those iconic guns it's it's i can think of about 20 off the top of my head that are yeah that and that one's a contender for number one just because of the guy involved as
1: well but uh yeah that's i think um You know, part of it for me is, again, you know, reading about it when I was little. And then, you know, for those, again, that don't know, the nickname Bo Whoop Mm -hmm. came because when he shot, it sounded like Bo Whoop. You know, it was such a loud gun that that's kind of what they nicknamed it. Well, I remember being, again, 10, 12, 13, maybe middle school, you know, somewhere around that age. And when dad and I would go hunt this one, um, draw hunt, when all the guys came back to the little, uh you know, little house to, you know, say, hey, how'd you do, and check in before we left, Um, guys would say, man, who the hell was shooting that howitzer, you know, over that way? And dad and I would go every weekend for the draw hunt. So we got to know, know, we got to know the biologist, we know some of the other local guys, and they would say, oh, that's Keith Michiet over there with his 10-gauge. Because it, you know, that's, it was a loud gun. You know, it sounded like a howitzer cannon going off. (laughs) So, you know, now that his gun has a nickname, but you know bow whoop and dad's gun i mean it was just you know so yeah um for those that don't know that's how Bo whoop got its name was from the sound of it going off so yeah if i if i could hunt with any gun it would be bow whoop um what i would do with it i would say you know i don't i'd probably go to north dakota and just shoot mallards i mean i love north dakota um and, um, I've had, I've had, I've been out there for about seven years, um, in a row hunting out there and, and that's a special place. I love Arkansas and hunting the flooded timber too, but, um, I've had some really memorable hunts in North Dakota. I'm hoping to get my dad out this year. He's never been. Um, so I'm hoping to take him out.
0: Yep. Yep. I had seen it. It was a video. I think it was on YouTube through DU and a bunch of their executives had gotten out back at Beaver Dam, his old club and had gotten wow. one of those two guns back out and they shot Mallards for a day with it. That, that's cool. And uh, I I would say that as awesome as it possibly could be, they, they didn't have a single shooting cap, not a single collared shirt. They were head to toe in whatever <laughs> sponsor camo it is that right. DU uses. And right. it felt a little wrong being in his old blind, in his old club yeah. with his old gun, looking like a Sitka wearing fool. Yeah, But yeah. Uh, not at the same time though, you are shooting the, the waterfallers version of Excalibur. So
1: true. True. <laughs> there is that. Yes. Yes.
0: I wouldn't have turned it down. I probably would have even broke down and bought camo if I had to join them with that. <laughs> but, uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, with, <laughs> with, with that, what do you have? Uh, we're going to, we'll kind of do some closing thoughts then. Um, Again, I know you you're you're excited about the duck hunting for sure and you're in definitely mm-hmm. the place for it. Um what's do you have any trips yet planned? I know you're you're talking about out of state, are you talking about um are you thinking at all about uh doing any sort of extended up north as as we call it kind of uh, uh trips yet planned? Not
1: you know, yeah, this this whole up north term is something that y'all throw out pretty lightly. I've, I've realized, you know, well, I'll, I'll talk to anybody at work. I'm like, what do you doing this week? And they go up north. I'm like, oh, OK, I don't know what that means. But, I mean, I know it's up north. I don't know where that means, but it's just a general term that y'all throw out. Um, as far extended trips, I don't have anything planned. Um Yeah, I know my girlfriend and I, we want to go to the UP at some point just to, you know, obviously visit. Now, if I can caveat that into possibly a grouse or woodcock trip, that would be great. Um, I do know, again, you know, my, my, um, the managers that I work with, they have cabins, you know, quote unquote up north. Um, (laughs) So I can always go up there, stay at their cabin. Uh, One of them is a big, well, he's a, he's a bigger trout, you know, fly fisherman. um, But he does, he has Brittany's and he does do some grouse hunting. Um, so I'll probably do something like that. I haven't planned any big, big trips in Michigan yet. Um, again, yeah, I've been up here a month. Um, the first let's see, the first two weeks, I really didn't do anything except rest and just get my bearings as far as work. And then, um, last two weeks, I've been kind of just exploring. Um, so yeah, no big, big trips in Michigan yet. Uh, but I think. You know, as the season goes, and hopefully, you know, picking the brains of some of these guides will kind of different areas. I mean, honestly, really, I hate to sound cliche or anything like that, but just getting out and grouse hunting where I have the potential of seeing grouse will be uh, adventure enough for, for Traveler and I. I mean, I, again, obviously, I got Wyoming, I got North Dakota. I may go back to Nebraska um, maybe in January. My a couple of my buddies and I have done that a few years in a row. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see, but, um, I think just getting, just getting a grouse in Michigan would be a success for me this year.
0: <laughs> well, I, th- I think you'll have your opportunity for that. And then once you bag a couple, um, Kansas may not look quite as nice as it did before. Once you get the hang right. of grouse, But uh, <laughs> I'll take your place on that Kansas trip.
1: Okay. There we go. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> Well, I think I think we'll about wrap it up right there. But uh, I'm glad to have you on. This is this is one of those things where uh, you know we we interview a lot of experts across all of podcast land. Uh, we don't right. we don't get in a lot of these other other perspectives that I think are much more interesting to talk about.
1: But, right. <laughs> no, I've 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 enjoyed it. I think it's um. You know, like I said, I've listened to your podcast for a while. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good podcasts out there, but, um, not many people are moving to a different state. And I think it's, it's just different. I mean, there's just hunting alone and, and, and finding areas to hunt is hard enough, let alone when you move to a different area and you don't, I mean, you know, I'm talking to people from work and they're like, you know, Oh, he's from, you know, cadillac and i'm like i have no idea where that is now i know it's north here but um so it's a whole you know it's a whole learning curve and like you said you know grouse is a learning curve in and of itself um Mm -hmm. but you know as much as i can learn off of your podcast and and some of the others out there and read but to your point the the best thing is to get out there and you know for anybody that's moving to a new area or even just trying to get into hunting wherever they live to your point earlier you know read And then get out there and look at it and go, okay, cool. That's, that's what it is. That's what Mm -hmm. it looks like. You know, um, on X or one of the other apps, you know, there's, there's a couple out there that are good, but I use on X you look at it, you look at the on X map, you go, okay, cool. That's what it looks like. Let me start looking for stuff that's similar to that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, I'm not one to, to do the internet cyber scouting. It's, it's put boots on the ground and, and get out there and do it. Um, and so that's, I think that also is part of the adventure. Yeah, you, know,
0: you get up there and find stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. We're and looking Onyx, forward to it. Onyx is probably the nicest of the satellite photos I've ever used. It, uh, it's amazing. They're they're much newer than Google Earth, so you yeah. you catch stuff quicker, um, right down to the skitter rows on a new cut. Yep. Like they give you a lot of nice detail, and uh, and I don't, we're not big fans of cyber scouting or hot spotting. On the, on the podcast yeah. or on yeah. our social media accounts either, but, oh, yeah. uh, at the same time though, and I'll plug this as a great resource anyway, any of those groups where if you start asking the question, what does it look like? Most of the guys mm-hmm. who hunt have a picture. And yeah. if you, if you know who to follow, and a lot of the times it's just a matter of just reading their comments a few times, a lot of these guys, there's a dog with a bird in its mouth in the picture that's exactly where that bird was right that's exactly what a habitat looks like um yeah and then at that point yeah you look at your on next you look at the mi hunt app from from the dnr and uh you find the essentially like we did with the old atlases you find the green spot on the map and you drive through it and hey this looks like those pictures okay
1: well I, i think to your point you know so many guys get on and um they say hey where can i go hunt and, you know, everyone gets kind of pissed off. I mean, it's no different than Virginia because we have such a military area that so many guys come in. They go, hey, where can I hunt? And everyone gets kind of pissed off. And they say, well, go on the website. That'll tell you where to hunt. And to your point, the better question is, hey, what am I looking for? Like, what kind of habitat? What kind of terrain? Mm-hmm. That's a better question than saying, hey, you know, basically drop me a pin. Tell me where I can go shoot your birds. You know, it's yeah. just, hey, tell me the, tell me the general environment that i should be looking have, for that's the better question to ask
0: we have seven million public acres wow where where can you hunt is maybe where can't you hunt right any of okay. the green or any of the brown on the map it's federal is brown green is state land have at it there's yeah we
1: don't we don't have that in virginia yeah no. that's uh
0: we we have a lot of trees we have a lot um you, you have bears in virginia
1: there are bears out west,
0: yep. 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 And uh and there's elk, so you can start applying for points now and by the time you're done applying mm-hmm. for points about the time you retire, <laughs> uh you should be able to draw a tag. You should you uh, one, There you go. Yeah. Especially the elk. I see that's one of those things I really regret not putting in points the last mm-hmm. 20 years. But uh yeah. but then again, I I I might start tomorrow. I might put in points whenever the next <laughs> the next, uh, yeah. application period is, I think it's actually in the spring, but, uh, well, and with that, then Chris, I'm going to be done wrapped up here. We'll push the, the stop, uh, it's the stop recording button, but anyway, thank <laughs> you for listening everybody. And, uh, I'll be bringing another podcast here, maybe with the guy we, uh, took his question on. <laughs> <laughs>